Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Don't be afraid to be great. You don't get no better than that, man. He's like wide open receiver across midfield. Still going. Missouri. Amazing. First and nine. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazodcast. Still getting used to the uh, new intro, Colin. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not the old intro. That is correct. It's a great observation on your point. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm Brendan Anthony. With me, as always, is uh, my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? So, Colin, this isn't a drill. This is live. We had a football game on Saturday. The University of Missouri Fighting Tigers defeated Central Michigan 34-24. to Yep, we did, but... I tell you what, Brendan, I think uh, most Tiger fans would agree that this did not swell their chests with pride or, or swell their heads with confidence. Now, we won this game, and we won it uh, by double digits, but uh, it was not pretty at times. Certainly has probably gone a long way to tempering expectations. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, obviously we wanted to see a route and just be sharp. But the reality is this is a very young team, very, a lot of new parts, a lot of new moving parts. Colin, I'm glad we're recording this on a Sunday because usually if you're following Mazzotcast Twitter account, you'll see sometimes some very reactionary, like almost <laughs> yeah. nutball tweets sometimes. Yeah. Um, things, things a crazy person would say. Those are almost always from me. Those are my yes, tweets. Yes, they are. Yep, they are. That's true. But I also think they're good tweets because I get people fucking fired up. But there's a reality to what we saw on Saturday that makes you think, 
you know, we're playing Kentucky week two and we don't look really good at all. You know, like, yeah, yeah we're, we're young and stuff, but we don't look good at all. <laughs> yeah. If you see, if you see tweets about someone complaining about line play, it's probably been me. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> right. uh, and I think that's in retrospect, Brennan, I, like you said, I'm glad we, we took some time because a lot of this stuff doesn't seem nearly as bad. There are some big upsides. And at the time and of yesterday, part of the reason I'm a little more pessimistic and part of the reason I was really concerned, and I think there's reason for concern is, is the line play. Uh, most of what I saw, oh, there's a little, you know, some missed tackling here and there. The offense looked a little rusty here and there. Some things looked strange, you know, but most of it was stuff you thought, oh, you can coach up, you can clean up. You know, a little rust, maybe. Who knows? But Central Michigan was having its way uh, on both sides of the ball. And just like last year, you know, our defensive line was not laying a glove on the running back. It was pure, completely up to the linebackers and the defensive backs to make tackles on run plays. I mean, honestly, Brent, I don't know if we win this game if Central Michigan just runs the ball and quits trying to throw so much. Um, well, you know, I- maybe maybe we stack the box and we start stopping it, and that's that ruins their day. But you know, our defensive line is was getting mauled and uh, nobody was touching a running back till the second level well but you know that did start to change obviously they did pass that helped us out when they usually did but we also started blitzing constantly and that we you know we i think we had nine sacks on the day and that very much disrupted what central michigan was trying to do offensively but colin do you think that was a result of the line playing better or do you think that was a result of the blitz wallpapering over the line getting pushed around. Well, certainly our defensive line wasn't putting on much pressure at all. And the, but the, and the only reason I say that the blitzing may not have been a result of that is just because this, our new defensive coordinator has a reputation for being blitz happy, which I love. Everybody loves blitz. You know what I mean? Blitzing equals sacks. Blitzing equals turnovers. Blitzing also equals getting burned badly over the top, which their quarterback didn't seem very capable of doing to us, which made blitzing easy. Like that, rightly so, everybody was super high on, oh, the linebacker, shoot, had three and a half sacks, our new guy from Rice. Blaze Aldridge? Yeah, Blaze. He sounds like a participant from American Gladiators circa 1994. (laughs) He kind of looks like a participant from Gladiators, American Gladiators. Yeah. Circa 1994. (laughs) Anyway, but he also didn't. uh, Everybody's happy about the sacks, but I'm going to tell you who guy who missed a lot of tackles in run defense. I was not very happy with him in that department. And I think he alluded to that in in his post game. He's like, I didn't feel like I played very well. And I thought, that's right, Blaze. You didn't. Um, (laughs) But you can't take away those sacks away from him. But better teams are probably going to pick up those blitzes more. Uh, the defensive line, I mean, if you're looking for upside, Jeff Coat did apply some pressures. Really, the guy who looked the best on the line to me was this, that Wingo kid. And uh, he's he's pretty young, and but he seemed to get as much push as anybody in the line. And, I enjoyed but seeing. That, and that's, a, that's not saying much. I mean, our line did not really impress. And uh, most of that, those nine sacks did not come from our uh, defensive line. I tell you who got one of those sacks was Sean uh, Robinson. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking of that. Yeah, that's uh, made me happy to see him succeed in that role so early in this season. He played some snaps. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, I, he, he was out there, you know, he was out there a little bit. Yeah, he was pumped after that sack. I'll say that. Good. I was, I was very happy for him. Well, I mean, he was a, I mean, he is a big Division One athlete. So it's just really, it's a, can he make that transition? I think I saw the stat breakdown. He had over 20 snaps, mm-hmm. you know, on defense. And so that's, that's not nothing. He's obviously showing the coaches something. Well, Colin, I was going to tell you that, you know, you were kind of dogging on Blaze Aldridge. He I also dogging him and just saying it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> well, he said he played bad. I, um, 
<laughs> he also led the team in tackles and, and had three and a half sacks. So I feel like uh, you might get some pushback on that opinion. But I know he did miss tackles too. You know what I mean? Maybe I should couch a little bit. I just didn't see him. I mean, he wasn't Nick Bolt. And the guy I was looking for to have a big day was Martez Manuel. And I didn't, I feel like he was, I, I didn't, he didn't do anything that really was very impressive. I saw him actually slide off a few people like a greasy turd. Um, <laughs> and so I was just, it, I tell you, if you're looking for a group on the defense to be uh, excited about, that was the cornerbacks. That Evans kid and that Abrams Drain or whatever his name is, like they both played really well. And despite the fact that Rake Straw got exposed a little bit at times, he didn't look bad. You know what I mean? Like I think they're, I think their defensive backs and and safeties are probably the strength right now, just based off of one football game. And Rake Straw got exposed early. I think they picked on him in that initial touchdown drive where they just marched right down the field and really started to give us pause. Uh, but after that, I feel like Rake Straw started to get it together a little bit. And uh, that first drive wasn't indicative of the rest of the game he played. Early in the game, too, I was getting pretty frustrated with the uh, the offensive line. But I think part of that, too, was I felt like, especially in the first half, Drinkwitz's play calling was a little cute. Mm. A, a lot of stuff going on behind the line of scrimmage. And they think they had six or seven tackles for a loss in the first half, Central Michigan, that is. And yeah. So, and uh, part of that's on the line, but part of it, some several of those plays were, you know, had a lot of uh, ingredients, and uh, those take time to develop. Neither one of the lines for Mizzou today should feel great. I have a- Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I was particularly concerned about the offensive line, Colin, because those plays that you mentioned, I mean, yeah, it takes a while for those plays to unfold, and they were a lot of guys running little crossing patterns around the quarterback, pirouetting and things like that. But at the end of the day, as soon as like Beatty or whoever it was was supposed to touch the ball, three fucking Central Michigan players plowed into him in the backfield like multiple times. And that's a result of horrible line play. I mean, guys were just running past our offensive line all day I'm hoping long. That, um, I'm hoping that maybe Drinkowitz was holding a little something back. And the reason I say that is because if I'm a, an opponent scouting this game, I'm saying, well, the left side, they don't like running to the left because they don't trust the left side of their offensive line. And I would also um, say they're going to blitz a lot, so we better be ready to blitz pick up. There's, there's just a lot of things that weaknesses, really. This team did not look as sharp as they did coming out of the gate last year after a COVID-shortened season and a, a, you know, coming off Barry Odom. Well, it's uh, hard to say we played Alabama in our first game last year. It was a little bit different kind of test. That's true, but they did look sharper. I mean, especially that I was very Odom-esque that first series where the secondary didn't seem to know where they were supposed to be. Yeah, that was true. They, there were guys pointing and pointing back at each other and lost. And I thought, ooh, that looks like a Barry Odom coach defense. <laughs> Um, yeah, I had flashbacks of DeMonte Cross. But Colin, the thing is, like we were saying, you know, it's Sunday. We've had some distance from this game. And like you said, you know, ultimately we were supposed to win. The, the, the spread was 14 points and we won by 10. So we didn't cover the spread, but we won the game. You look at a game trust like. Trust me, I bet. I know. <laughs> you look at a game like Mississippi State where they 
barely, barely pulled out the win. I mean, essentially, Louisiana Lafayette, who were they playing? They choked it away. Like, Mississippi State should have an L on their record right now. And even Arkansas, who ended up blowing out their opponent, they were losing at halftime. So, like, A, it's hard to know just how rusty your team is. And B, you never know, like, how good a Central Michigan might be that year. You know, come November, we might be talking about, hey, did you see Central Michigan is going to the, you know, the buttfuck.com bowl? Yeah. You know, they were well, nine listen, and three. I, after seeing, I don't know who anybody else in Central Michigan's conference, but after seeing them play Mizzou, I will say this. I bet they win their conference or come damn close because part of the reason our lines played so poorly, I think, is because Central Michigan didn't seem to have any problems with size. I mean, they had, they're, they had big defensive line. They had big, a big offensive line. They have, I'll be curious to see if this is, we get to see the same level of play from Kentucky. You know what I'm saying? Like if Mizzou performs as well as they did this week, do you say, well, Central Michigan just had a really good O and D line. And if, if what I fear happens, we look, get manhandled on both sides of the ball, then we'll say, nope, they're just a FCS school and, and Mizzou doesn't have very good meat in the trenches. But I, I, I think just based on what I saw, I think Central Michigan's got a pretty good, they're pretty good in the trenches. They did look good. And their quarterback, who was young, I think it was his first start ever, he looked very composed and almost reminded me a little bit of Connor Bazelak, who just was thrown to the wolves and seemed to handle it pretty well. Uh, this quarterback did the same. And, you know, Drinkwitz, I was very eager to see how he responded to the to the game in his post-game press conference and what his reaction was because he had talked about how he was concerned about the lack of enthusiasm in practice, at least early on in camp. And I just wonder, does he look at this game as a a real lesson for them or does he look at it as a cause for concern and at least in the in the press conference and i feel like drinkwitz has been particularly candid more candid than we've been accustomed to here uh when asked these kinds of questions and he basically said that that he saw a lot of things that are coach that are coachable that they can work on and it's a lot easier to work on them sitting at one and oh than it is sitting at oh and one and i'm sure that that's true it is a wake-up call you know what i mean there were obvious things in these game ones especially Especially with a Missouri team. I feel like every year Missouri is just like missing some sort of basic concept of football that you would think they taught them at Pee Wee League, but we have to reteach them in game two of the SEC. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's always that way. And it's just the no. nature of college football. Yeah, I was really curious to see Drinkowitz's press conference too, because I think he obviously knows this was not what people expected of him. And uh, he has the, he has a good sense of humor and sort of a flip attitude towards the press a lot of times that is that's endearing when everybody's on your side. And when you're winning football games, but can very quickly be turned into, hey, smart ass, why don't you quit the stand-up routine and start fucking coaching football? You know, <laughs> it, can, right. it, that, it can flip on a dime. And so he, uh, I was curious to see if he would kind of take that sort of like, ha yuck it up with the press attitude after sort of underperforming. But he, I think he stuck, struck the right tone. And, he's, and if he's not full of shit, there is, it, hopefully most of it is coachable. And, you know, maybe uh, get a little scared from Central Michigan. We'll refocus the team a little bit. I just think a lot of uh, a lot of SEC teams got a lot of going to have a lot of things to see on tape that they're going to like. You know, when they have to play us, you know, especially like blitzing. I mean, there's it doesn't take long to figure out that oh, Mizzou likes coming through the A gap, the B gap, or you know, they like blitzing the safety, or they like blitzing the linebacker. Or, you know, Mizzou, I, Mizzou did a good job of delaying the blitzes and try to sort of hiding. Uh, trying to hide them, but it's pretty easy to, to, to with a good quarterback to to work against the blitz if if you got if you know it's coming and you know you can pick it up. Well, and that's so. the question. I mean, Kentucky is coming in with a new quarterback, and he looked pretty good. Of course, he was going up against Louisiana Monroe, and they beat 
that team 45 to 10. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, it should be noted, did not win a game in the previous season. So yeah, Kentucky looked good, but they were also going up in ve- against very poor competition. And we're going to find out really quick whether this quarterback is able to pick up Missouri's blitz because uh, that's our opponent next week. So that's what scares me is that uh, we got a tough SEC opponent right out of the gate. You better get some of these things straightened out. and You only got six days to do it. Well, and as um, aggravating as some part of this game was, all will be forgiven if you beat Kentucky. Oh, absolutely. If we beat Kentucky, then everything's still on the tracks. Everything's still on the table. And like I said, I didn't see Kentucky do anything that made me super afraid of them, but they do seem to have a competent quarterback. He definitely seemed to be taking advantage of a bad uh, opponent's bad secondary. Yeah, and, and one thing we haven't mentioned about this game is that it did, Central Michigan's coach Jim McElwain was out for um, some sort of gill-related disorder. I can't remember what it was. He had <laughs> yeah, he got he got sh- some sort of shark STD. Yeah, <laughs> so he was in the hospital, and it just you know when you're sitting out, when you cannot coach your team, you want your team to win, obviously, but do you want them to kind of struggle? Don't you want them to look like they need you there a little bit? Well, I I, I wondered about this watching the game. I wondered if we weren't getting Central Michigan's best shot because they were that sort of rally around the coach, like, Coach can't he be here today, guys. Mm-hmm. He's got the shark clap. Yeah. <laughs> and we got to play our butts off for him. Let's go out there and win one for the flipper. <laughs> but um, bum Thank you. <laughs> Rim shot. Yeah. Anyway, oh, Caleb Bumgart just texted me, said, I can't, I can't zoom in, guys, but uh, linebackers suck. So does O-line. So he wanted the uh, Caleb the Greek take on the game. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, Caleb was not particularly happy with the linebacker play either. He was texting me throughout the game about that. Caleb was there, and uh, it was tough to watch for a lot of it. But I think we've seen Missouri play not up to our hopes before in early games and it has we've still had good seasons you know it's it's not a death now as uh, frightening as it is it is a part where we're looking at this and saying were we just getting our you know were we knocking the rust off or is this a sign of things to come we can't know until next week and the week following yeah it just makes me chomp the bits watching play again you know yeah. you, you want to find out immediately is this you know a blip on the radar an anomaly or is this who we are because if this is who we are um, it's going to be a long season, a long, disappointing season. Uh, but I'm not trying to, I'm trying not to get too low. But, you know, and there were certainly people on Twitter saying, hey, everybody's getting too down, reading too much into this. And I'm like, I typically would agree with that if it wasn't for the line play. Like, there's just, there's just no part of your team that can be, that is more important than the line and uh, on both sides of the ball. And just, no, neither, neither, neither unit played very well yesterday, which is, like I said, disconcerting. I feel like we couldn't see some of what the offense was even trying to do because it was never able to develop with this bad line play. Well, and I think that, and that part of that falls on Drinkwitz, and I think that's part of what he's talking about coaching up. Part of the coaching up, I think, will be him realizing that hey, I can't, I can't run these gadget plays that take three and a half seconds, four seconds to develop because we're going to have a defensive lineman and Connor Basilak's lower colon if we do. So we're going to have to, you know, more slants. You know, I wish they'd run a little more play action, honestly. Mm-hmm. Beatty is obviously catching the attention of the defense. But again, that's a play, you know, play action takes a little development time. And if those defensive linemen are in rush mode, I, that can take too long as well. But it would it'd be nice to free some of the linebackers and defensive backs a little bit. I was a little bit aggravated with the wide receivers at times. I didn't feel like they were getting a lot of separation. But again, a lot of the play calls seem to be those routes are pretty deep. And uh, there's not a lot of not a lot of slants, not a lot of easy stuff. It seemed like not enough, not enough stuff over the middle for me. I I just after watching many years of college football, I just feel like college football coaches are afraid to throw to the middle of the field. They just feel like the the interception risk is too high. They certainly don't use it the way the NFL 
teams do. And uh, but I just like it's not an easier pass for a for a college quarterback. And uh, but our you know our tight ends didn't play bad. Uh, Parker seemed to be able to um, block well, and Hay had a couple nice catches. So touchdown. Yeah, had a touchdown catch. So yeah, you know Basilak uh, didn't you didn't have like a be like wow he played great, but he did you know when you start looking at the stats and things, but he did have a pretty good game. Well, he completed seventy so. percent of his passes, and that says mm-hmm. something. I mean, that's just that's an unheard of number when you were used to like the Maddie Mocks of the world, and even Drew Locke's per- completion percentage wasn't as, as good as that usually. I don't I don't have any concerns about Basilak, and most of what I saw um, yesterday had a lot more to do with his offensive line and had to do with him i feel like uh, the wide receivers you know more or less though played well i think I, they had like i mean i only saw maybe one drop the whole day i was waiting so for tosky dove's name to be called and they went at him a couple times but he never did uh show up but you know kiki chisholm they need to throw him the ball more you know they need if they were going to go over the middle it was usually that drag wrap to chisholm but uh the linebackers were sitting on that a couple times too when they went into that zone so Chisholm's got to be better at finding that final sort of the soft spot in the zone when they do that on defense. But he's a talented wide receiver. They should definitely try to keep him involved. Well, Colin, at the end of the day, we're heading into this week two, one and oh, that's where we always want to be. So the great thing is that since we are in, in the midst of football season again, all our regular segments are back included amongst those. We'll have the voicemail bag and we'll be able to hear what you all thought about this football game. This is the Mazzotcast. Hey, Mazodcast fans, we are going to throw the first ever Mazodcast tailgate live October 2nd, Missouri facing Tennessee. We're going to have everything, food, entertainment, all the personalities from the Mazodcast will be there. We're going to have all kinds of things to give away. We want to see you. We're going to have the biggest tailgate we can throw and get you in the mood to watch a Missouri victory over the lowly Tennessee volunteers. And you can come back to the tailgate drink all you want and watch Tennessee fans cry sour grapes Sour grapes. live in person. It's going to be glorious and we want you to be there. So get your ticket to the October 2nd Missouri Tennessee game and come to our tailgate in lot in as in no Peyton Manning doesn't play here anymore and join in the first ever live hot garbage Mazodcast tailgate extravaganza. <laughs> some listener music for you it is b morgan who sent us this one the song is called bank and it just dropped on august 16th if you want to get your music on the show and we'll play it live for the listeners send it to mazodcast at gmail.com we want to help you get some ears on your music it's time to do it colin it's time to hear what the uh, lunatics thought 
Oh boy. I tell you, here's, here's the analysis you actually tune in for. You know, me and Brendan blabbering is uh, boring. This is the good stuff. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. What's up, you fucking idiot? Connor, big dick, Basilax. No. <laughs> It's beer time. I think that's Phil one, and yep. it's a reminder for me that I need to tell all of you that we play these chronologically. So, uh, what we're going to hear early are, of course, the beginning of the uh, of the game voicemails, working our way through halftime and to the end. And I, I, we like to ride the wave of emotion as it follows the the path of the Mizzou game. Obviously, we scored early and got excited really fast. Twenty nine seconds. Super in. fan, super fan, Phil. As of right now, pretty happy. Yeah, that's right. That's where we sit. What's up, fucking idiots? Me again. God, I really fucking hope this is first game jitters, because if not, holy fuck. This is hot fucking garbage. Hot, hot, garbage. hot dog water. Hot dog water. Sit down both fucking legs. Drop your fucking pants. Shit in the fucking end zone. Holy fuck. God damn. All right. Love you guys. Football's back. Bye. That didn't take long. No, it didn't. That was the second call of the year. Oh, also, if you have children, you might want to turn your radio down in your car. Yeah. Bill's on the line. So I'm on the fucking West Coast, and I'm already starting to day drink because I'm sitting here thinking, (sighs) broke out the good whiskey, too. Sitting here fucking thinking that if our offensive and defensive line can't do better than this against Central fucking Michigan, a good program, we are going to get bent over a table when we play anyone else. And the rest of the SEC schedule. That's just the truth. We have got to get our head out of our way. I, I, I don't think it's a talent issue. I think it's a fucking focus issue. I think it's a want to issue. God damn, we're gonna do better than this. Podcast, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that uh, summarizes probably more succinctly than what we could do. What we were talking about for twenty minutes about line play is scary, and if we don't get that shit figured out, uh, it's gonna be a long one. Yep, everybody's seeing it. What a horseshit fucking half against a middling Mac team. Good lord, that wasn't even hot dog water. That was hot dog and booger water. Hot dog water. Get it together. Seven tackles for a loss. Give me a break. Let's go. MIZ. <laughs> I love the deflated MIZs. They're my favorite. Yeah. We should have a collection of deflated MIZs in our voice mailbox. Hey, what's up, Mazikast? It's uh, Cole Marcus, MIZ, Stephen on Twitter. Uh, sitting in the south end zone. I just want to say that that Harrison Mebus, the thicker kicker kick, mm-hmm. could have pretty much punched a hole through the uh, south end zone scoreboard. Uh, hope we get our shit together. 17-14, and we got 15 minutes left until the start of third quarter. Hope we get our shit together. M-I-Z. There we go, Z-O-U. We didn't talk about Harrison Mebus, but he all he ever does is exactly what we ask of him every fucking time. Yeah, the thicker kicker is legit. It is nice to have somebody who give you some confidence in those situations, I mean, God, think about it. The guy who does what he's supposed to do every single time. In college football, that's a, that's a lot to ask. God bless him. Well, it's halftime, and my first half takeaway is that Harrison Nevis is clearly the best player on our team. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a little a little bit of hyperbole. Well, and I honestly, like, Harrison Mavis is as good at his job as any kicker we've had in a long time, but (laughs) I'm just glad we have a good kicker. I don't look at it as a negative in any way. Welcome back, Mizzou football. Glad to see you haven't changed. (laughs) Well, 
you know, it's, it's a little, apparently you're weren't the only one maybe feeling a little too deflated a little too quickly. Well, here's the thing, Colin, about uh, jumping out and being <laughs> way too early on things. If we do suck this year, I'll have looked like a genius instead of a crazy yeah. person that I actually am. Yeah. Well, I think you'll look like a crazy person either way. Yeah, that's probably right. This is just like watching monkeys fuck. This is ridiculous. We should be putting up 70 points against this guy. That the number one defensive player is out. Oh, my God. The referees are fucking us on the turnover. Guys, just go suck it. <laughs> well, I'm calling here. Seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And, you know, barring a, a terrible collapse, very little collapse, looks like we won the game. Our defense looks like hot garbage. Hot garbage. I think you guys put out Demonte Cross. Yep, I'm getting flashbacks of worse than Demonte Cross. We're going to be in trouble for Kentucky next week. Eh, I might be. <laughs> There's another one of those deflated well, MIZs. I'll, I'll, I will, the only reason I disagree with that is Devontae Cross did blitz the fucking entire time he was here. But uh, <laughs> but the l- defensive line played almost as badly. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah I'm just leaving the game. What, 34 24? Listen, I need you guys to stop touching Connor's kick. All right, so mediocre. But Tyler Bates, though, he's a beast. Our run defense sucks kick. That's all I got to say. Connor Bays lacks mediocre. We're sucking his dick too much. Thoughts, Colin? Well, I mean, he may prove to be right, but I don't think anything about what Connor Blaze like did uh, yesterday should scare you. I mean, uh, he had a couple of made a couple of completions on deep balls. A couple of those deep balls, you know, I don't know if they classify them as drops, but they were certainly catchable. I didn't see Connor do anything yesterday that scared me. You know what I mean? Like he is what I expect him to be, and if he does what he did yesterday for you know ten games this season, he will be an All American. No, I got a little frustrated with him. He hung on the ball a little too long a couple of times early, but you know, I'll chalk that up to um, first quarter, first game jitters. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I there's a long list of people that I have grievances with at this game, but, but Connor Baselak isn't very high, and I'm. But trust me, if I, I'll I'll tell you if I do. I bet Harrison Nevis is the dude at the party that shotguns the beer and crushes it over his head. M I Z. Well, if he weren't a kicker, I'd say I'd agree with you, but he's probably not invited to the party. <laughs> well, but I mean, game one, we've got ourselves a fan favorite. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Every sure. every once in a while, we get a guy who comes along and he, for whatever reason becomes a fan favorite, even though they may not see much tick, but yeah. Mavis is a hero in the making. Yeah. The thicker kicker, picker upper. That's right. What's up boys. It's youth consultant Connor. And wow, that was a lot more painful than it needed to be. I get that we won, but only beating the alma mater of Eric Fisher by 10 is kind of sad. The entire team looked sloppy, uh, Drink's third down play calling made me want to smash my TV, but Tyler Beatty and Blaze Aldridge are two bad dudes. I'm really looking forward to them this season. But honestly, I feel like if you want to compete in the SEC, you have to view this game as a loss, even though we won. So a little bit rough out of the gate, but hey, at least it goes in the win column. Yeah, I, like I said, I think it's going to be easy for everybody to point at the linebackers and uh Say, wow, what a great game because of the pressures. But uh, they didn't gap fill very well. They didn't tackle very well. I mean, they didn't tackle badly. But, but listen, this, this was a C on the report card as far as the linebackers go, even with those pressures, which d- tells you that, you know, at least from my perspective, they did not play that well. West Coast Mizzou fan again. God damn it. So I know I'm happy we won. I really am. But this is shit sort of pisses me off because it didn't feel like we really, like, locked in or paid attention until maybe the third quarter. And we're not going to – we're going to lose a lot more. We're going to lose games to better teams with more comparable talent to what we have in the future, unless we lock in fucking early. I know it's college, and so a lot of these guys are young, 
and it's early in the fucking season, so maybe their nerves or whatever, but ugh, this is shit that's pissing me off about Mizzou. Go Mizzou cast. It's true. It was about the third quarter where I started. I mean, I was not comfortable when it was midway through the third quarter and we only had a three-point lead. That did not make me comfortable, but... I did see the offense start to find holes and the ball start to move a little bit more. And we did see the defense getting those big sacks and breaking up, stopping Central Michigan drives. Part of the problem, Colin, that we also haven't mentioned is like a one and 11 on third down. That was bad. There's a, there's a place where you can get down on Connor. And I'll tell you, that, I mean, because I think one of the things I had talked about in, in previous shows about what I expect from Connor Bazelak, you know, those indicators for him to uh, to be a, a, a huge upgrade at the quarterback position was completion percentage, which he had, but was also a really, I said, a, a high third down conversion rate, which he did not have. Their uh, play calling on third down and, and execution on third down was bad. There was some, um, you know, when the announcers make a reference to some head scratcher play calling, that's as close as they'll ever get to actually, you know, insulting a coach or, or yeah, like what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, and there were, I mean, how many times did we run a fucking screen pass on third and long, and we pick up like six yards when we needed fifteen? You know, that that was yeah. weird. It was pretty obvious. That's why I was saying, like, it makes me worry about how much um, Drinkwitz trusts the offensive line because you know. In those third long situations, they expect you, you know, the defensive line to pin their ears back and come at you. And the, you know, there's the counter to that often is, you know, the screen passes and things like that. But they did it so often, it makes me worry that Drinkwitz just thought, man, if they're going to pin their ears back, there's no way our offensive line can hold up. We're just going to have to go through screen pass here. I'm hoping that part of this is just it's a young team and they thought they were going to be able to sleepwalk through Central Michigan and they got a they got a rude awakening. Like, no, you can't sleepwalk because certainly the line and maybe this is just the uh, attrition. But, you know, by the fourth quarter, you know, Mizzou's offensive line was having its way, especially on run plays. And uh, I think Beatty showed you that. God, nobody was rooting harder for him to cash in on that 70-plus yard touchdown run towards the end of the game. It's like, ooh, the spread, the spread, the spread. <laughs> I could have killed that guy that ran him down. Ah, oh, God damn it. And my son was sitting next to me and being like, well, now they're really close. They'll probably score a touch. I was like, no, they won't. No, they won't. Let's run it up the gut. Marty Schottenheimer style and kick a field goal and I'll won't hit the spread. God damn it. Yeah. I I know that feeling. I've I have gambled before, but I <laughs> <laughs> I've learned my lesson about gambling on the Tigers in the past. But you know, you know, we we tried to pass on fourth and one and didn't make it, and then we tried to do screenplay and runs on third and fifteen. It never none of it makes any sense to me, but I don't know. It's it's week one. We give passes on week one. If Missouri plays like it did today the same way they will play next Saturday against Kentucky, Kentucky will have the Tigers for dinner. Thank you. I don't know if I, I, I disagree. You know, I, they, they better play better than they did this week. I, I, I hope that they will. And I, it's just hard to know. We're playing Central Michigan. Kentucky was playing Buttfuck University. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's hard to know what you got on your hands right now. We'll see what happens. You know, nothing make me happier than beating Kentucky because they are, they think they're world beaters this year and we could play a big old nasty round of sour grapes if we win. No, yeah, it'll be a good early sour grapes for sure. Hey, I hope we do a lot better. Next game, I mean, we can hardly fucking play against Central Michigan. Fuck. Give me a chance to stick Wiley again. Holy hell. We don't look good. I believe in drink, but I don't know if drink believes in the program. <laughs> All right. Well, I think Dick Wiley had a few at this point in the evening. This is well after hours. Oh, how could you tell? <laughs> okay. Thank you. 
Well, it's late as fuck. I don't even know if this is going to get on the show, but after seeing Vandy lose to a fucking FCS team and Washington lose to FCS team and all these other teams lose to fucking cupcakes, I'm not as pissed anymore about us beating Central Michigan by 10 because it could have been a lot fucking worse. So that's all I have to say. And fuck Illinois. They just lost to fucking U- UTSA. So fuck that fat fuck Brad Bielema. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, buddy. You're making the show. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're in. <laughs> Coming off that huge win against Nebraska, too. Yeah. Yep, it's uh, how quickly it all falls apart. Much like his Philly cheesesteak sandwich as he eats on the sidelines. Hey, it's uh, Cole Marks again calling uh, MIZC Finn on Twitter. Some post-game next day thoughts on the game. Three positives. I'd say, obviously, Bayslack played well. 21-32 for 257, two touchdowns, no turnovers. So that's the biggest highlight. Obviously, Beatty, 25 carries for 203, and then... Um, I think overall, the defense being able to force turnovers was, was fantastic. A couple things I think we do, I would like to see us improve on before the Kentucky game, um, would be the, I'd say mid-level play and, uh, defensive line play. It seemed like that, uh, Central Michigan running back was just absolutely gutting us up the middle. But yeah, overall, I think, uh, you know, Diesel went working the kinks out and, uh, we're on to, we're on to Lexington. Take on Kentucky. M-I-Z-Z-O-U? Yeah, this is the power of perspective, I think, Colin, is uh, give it a day, look at what happened around the rest of the college football world, and think, well, you know, we're sitting here at one know, so let's not complain too much. Yeah, and uh, good job, guys. Always enjoy the voicemails. Everybody enjoys it more than us. And uh, just a reminder, if you did make the show, uh, keep calling, because uh, you're probably just too drunk, or you're you know left a three-minute and 30-second you know clip that we're not going to ever play. <laughs> so just remember, guys, if, uh, keep it short and sweet, and uh, we'll keep them coming. Yeah, and uh, you know we got in our voicemail count this week was twenty. I'm going to keep keep a tally to see just gauge Mizzou enthusiasm based purely on the number of voicemails we receive in the show. And the uh, the bar's at twenty, everybody. So let's go watch the start. <laughs> well, Colin, obviously we were not the only people to play college football this weekend. It uh, it was the first true week of football for the SEC as well. And so are you ready to uh, go around the horn and talk about the rest of this SEC? Oh, you know that I am. We, we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. Built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, as always, would you fire up your Paul Finebot, please? I will. Nick Saban, Nick Saban, Alabama. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. All right, Colin. So uh, it was an interesting week because obviously there's no NFL going on, so they're spreading out college football all across this weekend, this Labor Day weekend, just splattering it like jizz across the calendar. <laughs> Tennessee. Bukaki style. That's right. It's college football Bukaki. <laughs> it is. And uh, when you think of Bukaki, you think of the Tennessee Volunteers. They were the first splatter of jizz on Thursday night. Hot ropes of college football coming at you. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's right. Tennessee took on Bowling Green, and uh, I was excited about this one because I wagered on it, and I was basically wagering against Tennessee to cover the spread. The spread was 37 points in this game, and I don't believe Tennessee can beat anybody by 37 points in the world. Yeah, let alone Bowling Green. <laughs> That's right. Uh, it did get close, and it did come down to the final wire as new coach Josh Heupel uh, tried to run up the score on Bowling Green, but ultimately fumbled as Tennessee tends to do. Uh, they won this game 38-6. to I think they feel good about what happened, but uh, more importantly, I made money. But I tell you what, even in this vicious thump, I didn't see, like, oh, I didn't go, wow, I'm really scared of Tennessee. <laughs> no, I I saw a team that was coached by Josh Heupel. That's what I saw. I saw, a, you <laughs> yeah, know. I the- saw a team that was uh, – Going to try to uh, give you a bad beat all the way to the end. I was so happy when they fumbled. I was like, God, it serves you guys right for yeah. not just kneeling it out. Well, I mean, there were points at this game where, I, th- I mean, Tennessee won this game handily, but it was just because Bowling Green is a fucking terrible football team. Bowling Green sucked. What we're going to find out in Tennessee is that Josh Heupel is the fastest three and out in football. You know, that's, yeah, that's his right. his tempo offense, which I don't know why tempo is the new word, because I've told you this before. It aggravates me when I say they're running tempo. Tempo does not mean fast. Tempo means time. And you can run slow and you're still running at a tempo. For a hundred years, we used to call it a hurry up offense, but now we call it tempo for no reason, just more wrong. Well, and uh, you know, all Tiger fans will remember, like, you know, the offense would go three and out in 15 seconds and the defense would still hand still on their fucking hips sucking wind would have to run back out <laughs> that's right their defense so, are going to be exhausted so i you know i you heard it here first to uh, mazodcast the officially uh, josh heupel is the fastest three and out in football <laughs> that's what we dubbed him all right now let's get on to the games that paul cares about alabama yeah that's right alabama they took on <laughs> miami and uh this was the big game one of the big games of the day it was obviously on abc but it was uh it was not much of a football game no this was one of the bets i won i was just like Hmm. Will is eighteen and a half points enough? No, it's not enough because you know Nick Saban is going to. He's all fucking gas and no brakes, and he is going to throttle them uh, to the to the end of the fourth quarter, and it's uh, exactly what he did. Yep, that's right. The uh, the Crimson Tide won this one forty four to thirteen. I think it was a nineteen point spread, something like that. Considering Miami was ranked, I think number fourteen in the country. That's an amazing spread. But Alabama had no problem with them, and I don't feel like. You know, Alabama, there's not many teams in the country. I watched the Georgia-Clemson game. I don't know that Alabama's going to struggle with anybody in the world. You know, we might have to get to, I don't know, the New York Jets before we start to get to a team. Yeah, their new quarterback seems to be pretty good. <laughs> Shocking, <laughs> yeah. I'm not missing a beat. I think they showed his stats in this first game ever against like four, you know, the last three Alabama quarterbacks who are now in the NFL, and uh, his stats were better. But again, he was only playing against the number 14 team in the country. The other big game that followed that up on ABC was, I think, the big game of the night. And it was an interesting one to watch. It was kind of reminiscent of old SEC football. Georgia versus Clemson. Number five, Georgia going up against number three, Clemson. I think it was in Charlotte. It was, this was a rock fight. It was uh, it was the mayonnaise fight. I tell you what, it's, it's amazing how quickly the fortunes of these big-time coaches can change. I, the Twitter was a... A light with Dabo Sweeney, Gene Chizik comparisons. <laughs> yes, that's because, right. Because you know Trevor, Trevor <laughs> Paul likes that. Trevor Lawrence, you know, was is of course gone, and uh, Gene Chizik's um, coaching ability seemed to disappear with a certain player named Cam Newton. And people are basically making. I saw somebody make one of those faces, uh, face film things where their faces morphing, and I, I had to admit I was t- I was tickled, but I thought, man, this guy has you know has taken Clemson to heights <laughs> unseen and. Like one game, one big loss, and here he is being compared to Gene Chiswick. Yeah. And Gene Chiswick is one of those coaches apparently is terrible because 
He was at Auburn and since then has been relegated to uh, desk duty on the SEC network. Nobody's even his name doesn't even get breathed in a conference where they only hire former SEC coaches. I don't agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's just because you're colleagues now, Paul. Yeah. But uh, I think Paul did enjoy seeing Clemson taken down a peg after all the trouble that they've given to Alabama over the years. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but, you, I knew you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes us to another big contender in the SEC. Uh, this game was Texas A&M took on Kent State. This was just another kind of laugher. Texas A&M didn't have any trouble with them. Uh, there was nothing in this game of note that I can think of, Colin. For you, anything? Yeah, Texas A&M handled a team that's best known for campus murder as well as I. <laughs> it's just ex- exactly how I expect. Yes, and obviously uh, the the alma mater of Nick Saban and Gary Pinkle. Yeah, sure. Florida. They also were known for that. Yeah, <laughs> slightly lower peg. Uh, Florida took on Florida Atlantic. This is uh, home of the Owls. Wasn't this Lane Kiffin's old stomping grounds? Go Owls. That's right. Florida won this one 35 to 14, and they looked fine. I thought fine. Yeah. Everything looked fine. Mm-hmm. They did fine. <laughs> yeah. I, if I had to choose a word, I'd say fine. Yeah. This is a real, we're getting into some interesting football now. Uh, a late game, LSU versus UCLA at the Rose Bowl. LSU had to travel out west. And God, is, uh, is Ed O, is the Ed O era almost over? Yeah, it's uh, another guy who is, um, his seat has suddenly gotten so hot so quickly. <laughs> oh, hot, 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 hot. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. UCLA won this game thirty eight to twenty seven, and LSU didn't. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe UCLA is going to be good. I think they probably are. I mean, I think Chip Kelly. He's, no, he's not a dumb dumb. He's, he knows his way around the football, and he knows his way around West Coast. If anybody is going to save Pac-12 football, it's this guy, I'd say. I think part of Coach O's problem is sort of like I was talking about how Drinkwitz, like Drinkwitz can be funny and flip, you know, when when we're doing well, but that that doesn't play very good when you're not winning football games. And Coach O's sort of manic, you know, big personality is like, oh, it's all charming and funny until you're not winning football games. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a video all over Twitter that, this morning of, of – uh, him talking, to, you know, yelling at the fan, yeah, bring it with your sissy blue uniform, your sissy blue shirts or whatever, mm-hmm. talking to about the, you know, UCLA team. And which, boy, wouldn't that be hilarious if they hadn't lost? Yeah. Uh, and so now it's being, he's being clubbed with it. And I just, I don't know. Like I said, coach, it makes me feel, I, honestly, I do I hate to root against the guy, but it makes me feel a little bit vindicated just from the standpoint of like, I didn't think Coach O was the answer. I thought, like Sam Pittman, we're talking about a guy who's got a shtick as much as he has a coaching philosophy. And uh, and then they had Joe Burrow and conquered the world, but uh, maybe it was just Joe Burrow. Maybe he's another Gene Chizik. Yeah, I've heard those comparisons made as well. I mean, <laughs> Gene Chizik, poor guy, has become the standard bearer for like a uh, bright, shining success early, followed by Bubkus. Well, he's become the the poster child for having a transcendent football player on your football team, yeah. riding that transcendent player like Secretariat, and then then never being peen a drop after that. Uh, player leaves okay kentucky took on louisiana monroe and they found themselves having a much easier time with them than lsu did with ucla kentucky won the game 45 to 10 and uh, we did get to see some passing of kentucky which is a new part of their offense so we didn't see kentucky i don't think they knew what the forward pass was last year so will this work against teams not named louisiana monroe who have not won a game since before COVID? i don't know it, early on i was excited but in uh, UL Monroe marched right down the field and scored a touchdown. I was like, oh, this don't look good for Kentucky. That's mm-hmm. not good. 
and then it was all Kentucky from that point forward. Yeah, speaking of uh, getting excited early, Arkansas took on Rice, and I think was it fourteen to nothing. You sent me a text in the like near halftime at that one, Colin. Rice took out an early lead and kept it for a while, deep into the third quarter. Yeah, they were up at halftime, and I was, uh, yeah, thoroughly enjoying that because you, you just go through Twitter and watch the. Uh, Arkansas fans wail and gnash their teeth and pull out their hair, and it's always fun. And they end up winning, so they quit doing that. But nothing I enjoy more. And so I, I hope they have continued failures, and uh, I get to enjoy watching Arkansas fans eat their own guts. Yeah, they <laughs> Arkansas ultimately won thirty-eight to seventeen, doubling up Rice and putting up a respectable score. But it did, you know, they were they were rusty for a half too. So we'll we'll see. Speaking of not having an easy time, Colin, Mississippi State pulled out a miracle win, thirty-five to thirty-four, as Louisiana Tech basically just shit down both legs, gave up a double-digit lead late in the fourth quarter, and then missed an easy field goal to beat Mississippi State. Mississippi State was handed a fucking gift and uh, now sit at 1-0, pulling out the 35-34 to win. They don't look so good, and Mike Leach wasn't too happy. In terms of great matchups in college football history, this will not qualify. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anybody's going to argue with there, Paul. This does not look good. Um, you know, Mississippi State beat a team that, uh, or a school that's best known, best known major is tractor repair. <laughs> and, uh, they only managed to do it by one point. This is bad. It's going to continue to be bad. I mean, I think people, Dan Mullen took Mississippi State to a level of respectability that they hadn't enjoyed for most of their existence, especially for right Mizzou about fans that. Sort of, <laughs> for Mizzou fans who have only really known Mississippi State as that more or less. It's, they may not know this, but Mississippi State is typically a dumpster fire. And I think they are returning back to that uh, dumpster fire status. I don't think um, you know Mike Leach is going to be able to, to to do anything about that. Really, we will find out. I mean, it's a it's a second season, so I don't know how long they're going to give him as far as a leash there. But uh, this was as, as concerned as we were with our game. I think Mississippi State fans have to be awfully concerned about the way things turned out at Davis Wade Stadium well, on Saturday. And I think I've, I, I've told you, like Mississippi State, I, Mike Leach has crossed from being like uh, you know an eccentric football coach to like your crazy uncle at Thanksgiving. Like he's, there's, there's some, uh, cro- he's crossed some border and I don't think, uh, I, I think his, he's losing his fastball because his, I, I'm assuming there's, he's got some sort of mad cow disease that eats part of your brain is my own real explanation for it. Sure. And you I think that, like wasting syndrome that deer get, like I think maybe <laughs> chronic think wasting maybe disease. Le- <laughs> yeah, I think maybe Mike Leach may have, may have eaten some rancid deer meat. <laughs> That's the theory. That's the prev- That's our working theory right now. <laughs> That's the prevailing theory. Yeah, well, this takes us to the uh, final part of the docket this weekend. The p- games that, frankly, I didn't even know happened. Um, Auburn versus Akron. It was Auburn won that one 60-10. They are a really good football team. We'll find out, Paul. Yeah, well, I would say this about Auburn. They played fine. <laughs> to me, from what I read about it, it was fine. I think they're going to be fine. That's fine. South Carolina took on a horrible Eastern Illinois team. Shut them out 46 to nothing. These games tell us nothing. Yeah, I, uh, I'll say this from Eastern Illinois standpoint. They looked like a high school team. They, you know, South Carolina had their way. And South Carolina, I don't think anybody is under the misconception that they're a powerful football team right now. They're fantastic. That's not the uh, prevailing thought about South Carolina, Paul. And then the final game of the, uh, 
of the weekend for SEC. Well, not the final game because we have a Monday night football game coming up. But Vanderbilt took on East Tennessee State. And uh, boy, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's uh, new coach, Clark Lee, started out pretty rough, losing to East Tennessee State 23-3 to at home. Listen, I mean, at some point, Vanderbilt is uh, hurling towards Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah. Well, they need to be, they need to watch out because it's getting there. I mean, the thing is, Vanderbilt has had some, you know, the James Franklin era was a magical time for Vanderbilt, and mm-hmm. it's it's dark times now. I mean, God, yeah, and we're getting we're we're several years removed from that time. That's right, and then even after he left, it didn't mean Derek Mason didn't have a terrible football team every year. I mean, they got worse and worse, but like. It wasn't the team that was an automatic win like some teams in the Big 12 would be, like Kansas. But it's turning into that, as you said. You know, yeah. like, I mean, I'll take the free W, especially being in the same division as them. But well, don't 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 ask SDS about that. That Connor or Greer says we're going to lose to Vanderbilt, <laughs> but but it, I, you know what? I feel confident that he's probably wrong about that, having watched this game. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, nothing makes that pick look worse than what happened this weekend. So there is one game left on the schedule, as odd as that may be, recording on a Sunday. But uh, Ole Miss is going to be taking on Louisville on Monday night, 7 p.m. on ESPN. Ole Miss is favored by 10 in that game. Uh, You know, we were favored by 14 in ours. I think that uh, everybody's pretty high on this Lane Kiffin offense in particular. And if the defense has shown any improvement over last year, uh, this ought to be a runaway, I'd hope. Yeah, I think everybody feels pretty good that uh, Mississippi scores points. And I you know, I haven't watched a lick of Louisville football, but uh, from what I'm hearing, they're not very good. So 10 is a, um, 10's a pretty decent-sized spread. You know, I, I don't know how bad Louisville is, but I think everybody just expects Kiffin to run away with it. But I honestly, if I was going to bet this game, and I'm not going to, but if I was going to bet this game, I'd probably go with the under. You mean you you take the points? Yeah, I take the points. I mean, I just I don't. I could see this being you know less than ten points. Yeah, I mean, well, we don't know anything about anybody right now. Yeah, they're they're not Eastern Illinois, that's for sure. But I think that uh, it's I would (laughs) you said I would take the under. I was like in this one, I would definitely take the. I didn't even look at what the over under is, but I would definitely take the over, knowing that uh, Lane Kiffin can put points on the board, and we don't yet know if Ole Miss can stop anybody yet. So if you're betting on points, I feel like you're in in a good position on this one. Uh, Well, I mean, they they need to win this game unless they want to join Vanderbilt and LSU is the only teams in the SEC that are now have losses. Well, I was going to say, you know, LSU just sort of bowed out of, you know, bowed out of the SEC West. Mississippi State bowed out of the SEC West. Arkansas did not look great. I mean, if Ole Miss puts together a half-decent season, they may be up against Auburn, Alabama, Texas A&M, and I don't know who else is on them. Maybe I'm missing yeah, somebody. but Maybe Ole Miss is the Mizzou of the West in that, you know, I think people wouldn't be – Terribly surprised if Mizzou could sneak up in that third spot in the East, and it, while it would be a it would be a surprise, I don't think anybody would be really blown back if if Old Miss snuck up, you know, and, and beat out Auburn or LSU for that number three spot. I think it's a long shot, but it's certainly possible. They are a really I mean, good football team. Well, I don't know. I mean, I I, I want to see how their defense plays, but you know, LSU lost. I, I don't think Ogeron's got what it takes. Um, Auburn, I'm not convinced yet. So, I mean, there's a chance for Old Miss if they play good football. That's right. Why don't we look ahead to week two, Colin, since we are, this one's in the books for the most part. Uh, we, I think we can get through a lot of these quickly because they are shitty matchups again the first couple of weeks, obviously. An um, example of that is Auburn going up against Alabama State. No line for this one yet, but I think we can all pretty much figure that Auburn's going to win this one. 
by a lot of points. Agreed. Next is South Carolina, strangely going to East Carolina. Um, East Carolina is a two-point favorite in this game. Yeah, I know. And East Carolina in the, the, the past has been a bit of a giant killer. Not that South Carolina is a giant, but they are a, a, a much more, you know, they're an SEC football team as opposed to East Carolina. So, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I, I think it tells you what everybody thinks of South Carolina. Goes to show how bad your competition was this weekend that uh, they blew out the competition and now they're two point dogs. Mm-hmm. Paul, who do you think is going to win this one? South Carolina. Yeah, huh. he's loyal. He always picks. He always picks the SEC for now. Okay, and uh, speaking of strange looking dogs, Tennessee is at home taking on Pittsburgh. Pitt is a two and a half point favorite. Unless I'm reading this wrong, Pitt is a two and a half point favorite in this early eleven o'clock game on ESPN. Isn't a strange looking dog Tennessee's uh, mascot? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That yeah, is it's like true. A, it's like a it's Smokey's is just a just a hound with an extra chromosome, I think, and that the whole mascot vibe with him. And that's Tennessee's thing. Yeah, I um <laughs> I always thought that Smokey was uh, the only thing I liked about the entire Tennessee program and possibly in the entire state of Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Who are you liking this one, Paul? Tennessee. I know. I know it. Uh, what about yourself, Colin, after what you saw of Tennessee earlier in this week? Boy, I don't know anything about Pittsburgh, um, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with Pitt. I just, I think, I tell you who I wasn't impressed with, despite what the announcers would say. Is I, I thought Tennessee's quarterback was shit. And so I, I don't expect him to be very good once um, real competition comes to town. Uh, yeah. Milton, or whatever his name is. Yeah, no, he missed a lot of... Uh... A lot of passes. Okay, the 12 noon game on ABC will show Florida at South Florida. That's an interesting one. Florida is a 29-point favorite, so I don't think that's – I guess that's not an interesting one. It's uh, going to be a laugher, and I don't know why Florida has to go on the road to do it. Yeah, that's, Florida. A, that's quite a line. The 2.30 game will be Georgia taking on UAB. That's uh, 20, a boat race? 26 and a half point Georgia favorites in this one. I think we all are on the same page here, too. Well, especially after Georgia only scored 10 in a win, but <laughs> scored 10. I think they're going to be there's going to be some emphasis put on. Let's make sure everybody knows we have an offense. That's right. We're not playing Clemson every week. Georgia. Agreed. The Fox 230 game is Texas A&M going to Colorado for a Pac-12 matchup. Texas A&M is favored by 17 on the road, and I think I'd take that. I think Texas, I'd, I'd swallow the points and take Texas A&M if it were my bet. Yeah, Colorado um, does not look good. Texas A&M. And that takes us to Alabama playing Mercer. Dear God, have mercy on Mercer. They don't even have <laughs> yeah. a line for it. You can't bet it. It's a pity game. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Mercer's one and one and oh, so maybe we're sleeping on Mercer, but uh God, if you're the coach for Mercer, you're like, God, we need this million dollars for our athletic budget so bad, but how many of my players are gonna survive this? <laughs> well, it's not a funny thing to uh, have other players die at Alabama's hands. You <laughs> <laughs> can't stop laughing about it. Alabama. Yeah, we know. Paul loves it. I love it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Arkansas is going to take on a new SEC rival this weekend. 6 p.m. on ESPN. Texas comes to Southeast Conference. (laughs) That's right. Texas will come to town to play Arkansas. Texas. You you want to bet? uh, Texas. I'll give it away. Texas is the favorite. We know what they're favored by. Uh, Six. (laughs) You're looking at the same thing I am. I guess. I am. (laughs) Okay. Six point favorites for the uh, for the Longhorns. Um, this could be two ugly teams. I don't know. I, I want to see it happen. It's one of those games where you just wish, how is it possible that both teams could lose? Is it something that we could manufacture? Yeah, that's what I want. I just want to see both teams lose. How can we make that happen? 
At this point, I think I'm going to have to still take Texas. And, and this early in the season, not knowing anything about these two programs other than I don't like them, uh, you have to go with the old reliable, I think, in this case, and I'm going to go with Texas. I think we're falling in love with the uh, SEC Arkansas hype a little bit if we don't. You know what I mean? Like, what about Arkansas makes us think that they're going to be Texas? Not that Texas is a pretty good team, but we're talking about a football team that only won three games last season, and people were over the moon about it. <laughs> and uh, and Rice took them three deep last weekend. But um, Paul, what do you think about this game? It's kind of basically an SEC matchup at this point. Arkansas. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, st- they're still Big 12 technically, and Paul's going to root for his SEC. Yep. Okay. NC State is coming to Davis Wade Stadium in Starkville and Mississippi State. NC State is a two-point favorite in this one, and I think after what I saw in the Mississippi State game last weekend, uh, I take that action. I think NC State <laughs> yeah. ought to be able to pull this one out. Yeah, Mississippi State going to have to do something to make, ever make me want to bet with them. You know what I mean, after <laughs> yeah. seeing what I saw. I, I did not pay attention to what NC State did this last weekend. They are 1-0, but I don't know who they went up against and how they looked. But uh, what I know about Mississippi State alone, and that might be where my action lies this weekend. Paul, what do you think? Who, who have you got? Mississippi State. Okay, well, but was that straight up or is that against the spread? Who you got against the two points? Mississippi okay. State. All right, he likes it. All right, uh, then we have uh, Ole Miss taking on Austin P at home. This is another one where there's not even a spread. Well, I mean, they're, Austin P's like mascot is literally the Monopoly guy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so like, true. When they, you know, when they're handing out mascots. Uh, Austin P was in the back of the line. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, regardless of who their mascot is, I just uh, I just don't think it's going to happen. They're going to get beat and co- collect $200 and go home. All right. <laughs> do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Get your ass kicked in college. <laughs> and then LSU can lick their wounds back in Death Valley. They're going to be taking on McNeese, which I sometimes see as McNeese State. It's listed as McNeese here. Uh, whatever it is, they're own one. This game doesn't. Yeah, they're gonna get happen. their McAsses kicked. Yeah, that's that's right, Paul. Who do you like in this one? LSU. Okay, and then of course uh, Vanderbilt is going to be on the CBS Sports Network against Colorado State at nine Only p.m. Five and a half points, Brennan. <laughs> that's a interesting How bad number. Is Colorado State. Well, I can't believe they're playing the son of a bitch at 9 p.m. I mean, Vanderbilt agreed to these West Coast, fuck, 9 p.m. start time. Well, the, the good news is, is most of us will be asleep for this, the bloodletting that probably will be this day. <laughs> I certainly but am I not going to stay up for it. I, I don't know anything about Colorado State, but I can only assume they are awful. <laughs> I, I remember Colorado State beat us in, the, I think, was it the NCAA tournament first round one year in basketball? Yeah, I Paul, who do you like in it? Vanderbilt. Okay. He likes Vanderbilt. I, I don't know. I just can't help thinking that Vanderbilt's going to get their asses beat based on how poorly they played this weekend. Um, again, I might take Colorado State to cover those five and a half points. Okay. And uh, that'll bring us to our last matchup of the day, Colin. Mizzou is going to be taking on Kentucky in their first SEC game. It's going to be at Kroger Field starting at 6.30 p.m. on the SEC Network. Kentucky is a five-point favorite in this one. What do you think? Uh, I tell you what, I, it's honestly, it's hard to pick Mizzou after that game. I mean, I, if you'd asked me before kickoff uh, yesterday, I would have said, oh, I'm, I'm picking Mizzou. But after watching that game and our line play, I'm I'm a bit of a pessimist. I Mizzou's going to have to show it to me. I want them to win, and I uh, I think I certainly think they can win. But we looked somewhat one dimensional on offense. You know, I know we Connor Bazelak had a pretty decent game throwing the ball, but I mean it was pretty obvious that Beatty's our bread and butter. So you know Kentucky's going to zero in on him. You know the defensive line 
uh, tackled so poorly and the, and really the linebackers too. I mean, I just feel like despite Kentucky having thrown the ball around the yard a little bit last week, if, if uh, Stoops is smart, um, he's going to he's gonna run it down our throat until we prove we can stop it. Yeah, it concerns me too. I think that uh, if Missouri were to pull this one out and look sharper and w- win on the road against a good Kentucky team, it would immediately make everybody jump really back on 100% onto the Drinkwitz train and be like, oh, okay, this guy, this is what we're not used to seeing. Usually when we look bad, we just start, it's the start of a spiral. If it was just game one jitters and we do look better and we beat Kentucky and we're sitting at 2-0 and early on in the season with an SEC win under our belt, it is a real pivotal game early for the Tigers in a way that we haven't seen in a season like this before. You make a good point, Brendan. It's, it's, it's certainly a circumstance where Drinkowitz could differentiate himself from coaches we've had in the past and that we see a great deal of improvement from game to game. But, you know, one of those things that I was confident with Drinkowitz was is like when we played the cupcake teams, we'd make them look like cupcakes. And that wasn't the case yesterday. So I'd hope Drinkowitz, like I said, sort of uh, reestablishes some of my confidence in him by coming out and kicking a mud hole in Kentucky. I'm certainly hoping so, too. I'm also hoping maybe that Central Michigan isn't such a cupcake, but we'll find out. Paul, what do you think about this SEC matchup? Who have you got? Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why did, shocking. Why? Why did it? Why did I even ask? Why it's hard to take Missouri seriously. Yeah, I know how you feel, but uh, I tend to agree. I feel like a UK five point line is probably a good line in this one. But uh, we saw Kentucky take on a very bad team, and we saw Missouri struggle against a, I guess would I say an average team at best. So. Um, I don't know. It's a it's a wait and see moment for me. It's again game I'm not going to bet, but I guess I'll just take my Tigers just to be a homer. Yeah, I mean I'm going to pick the Tigers because if they're the Tigers and the six thirty kickoff, it'll be a good opportunity to get shit can and you know, watch football. And the worst part is Brennan, that's that's a, a pretty late podcast for us. That's right. Okay, Colin, that'll do it for next week, and so I'm looking forward to it. This has been around the horn. All right, Colin, and we. Wrap up every show with our important news segment. We uh, need to keep an eye on what's going on to our neighbors to the west there at Wiley Bunch, and we hate them so. Let's head it over to Kansas News. I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. All right, first story of the day, sleeping man on Kansas porch arrested after deputies find his car. I'm waiting for... (laughs) Okay. I'm waiting for... (laughs) I'm just waiting to find out this guy's the mayor of his town or whatever. Sure, sure. He's he's the doctor. He's the the local doctor. (laughs) Jackson County, Kansas. After a Meriden, Kansas resident found a sleeping man on his porch Friday morning, the Jackson County Sheriff's Office said it's not illegal to fall asleep on somebody's porch, is it? Maybe it is trespassing. I don't know. Trespassing. Sure. Jared Matthew Harris, age 30, of Mayetta, faces charges including burglary, theft, possession of narcotics, and drug paraphernalia. Deputies first went around 6.50 a.m. to a home in Meriden when a resident at the home found Harris sleeping on their porch, according to the sheriff's office. They later found a Nissan Ultima uh, near 114th Street that they also said Harris had driven. Meanwhile, the sheriff's office learned that someone had broken into a home nearby and burglarized it. In Harris's car, the deputies found stolen property that they said connected him to the burglary at the other house. Um, It was one of the lowest speed chases in history when they find him on a porch asleep sleeping on a porch yeah Hmm. Uh, he's uh not what i'd call a uh you know like a criminal genius no he's not a mastermind as i say i guess he was just shit can or really stoned out of his gourd and burglaring at the same time like 
Why wasn't he? Why wasn't he sleeping in his car? Like, why did he crawl up on like, a random porch? My advice to this fella is: is do your drugs after you do your burgling. <laughs> yeah, you don't mix the two. Yeah, yeah. On one end, you've got the the uh, diamond heist criminals who are like using suction cups to crawl over the ceiling of, ceiling of a ballroom um, yep. to get laser beams. Yeah, <laughs> and on the other end of the spectrum, you got this guy. They're professionals. Lenex's new goat workforce isn't part of a petting zoo. Yeah, well, they figured out that uh, most goats are smarter than most Kansas residents, I'm sure, and probably said, let's hire them. And more willing to work. Um, yeah, when they it, eat for grass. <laughs> when it comes to eco-friendly, kid-friendly ideas, we hope this is the goat. No kidding. The city of Lenexa has decided to try renting goats to chomp on invasive plant species in its trails and park system, especially where the plants can do the most harm to native species. Yeah, most Kansas residents have found that the Pride that comes from a hard day's work is easily replaced by a disability check wrapped in a pack of tall malls. <laughs> That's true. And what you won't be seeing is lawns freshly manicured and mowed in Kansas. It's just going to be <laughs> no. dust and old tires and uh, cars on blocks. Yeah. And obviously the goat thing is a, is a good step in the right direction. It's the most industrious workforce the state has known. In a few weeks, up to 30 goats inside an electrified fence will do the job no Kansas would take, and pretty cheaply too, without the emissions of gasoline mowers or weed whackers. Goat mowers are not emissions-free, of course, so watch your step. Yeah, so uh, your grass is going to be cut, but you know there's, a, there's always a give and take, Brennan, and it'll also be filled with goat shit. <laughs> That's right. Well, on top of your, uh, your parks being covered in goat shit, here's a little dark side. It hasn't worked everywhere this has been tried. In Salem, Oregon, goats have ended up costing more than mowing and controlled burns and herbicides. The goats do get the job done, but they also ate the native plants and damaged maple trees and hazelnut trees. And plus just if uh, the, the gratuitous goat sex come happening in front of kids in the park. Yeah, I mean, the goat sex in Kansas is probably some of the least gratuitous sex that people see in public from some of the stories <laughs> we've read in the past. Well, but I didn't tell you, it's not, the, it's not goat on goat sex. It's, the, it's Kansas residents having sex with the goats that's what makes it gratuitous <laughs> well in uh, augusta georgia the city abandoned a goat mowing program after many goats were killed by snakes dogs and coyotes and you don't think that's going to happen here in kansas no kidding well and i really honestly but i think the biggest risk to this whole program is just drunken kansans looking for a cheap lay yeah i mean it, the, the goats are going to be made love to and consumed, and not necessarily in that order. Let's be honest. This is a this is a bad idea. These <laughs> people are going to be looking for sources of food and a way to get their rocks off, and they're going to see these goats and think, "Yep." <laughs> the, the, the state of Kansas has a long, proud history of using livestock for their sexual needs as well as their nutritional needs. Absolutely. And that takes us to our final story of the game. Colin, uh, did you happen to see that Kansas played some football this weekend? I did, Brennan. I certainly did. It was interesting because I think uh, that was another one that people were sending me uh, screenshots of the score because it was uh, it was not looking good early for Kansas. In fact, it, it didn't look good until the very last second when Kansas pulled out the 17-14 to 14 win. And uh, keep in mind, this was over South Dakota. And uh, 
Did you see what happened? What followed this victory, Colin? I did. I did. The, uh, there was a lot of excitement, a lot of excitement for this win. Apparently, beating South Dakota is uh, storm the field worthy. Yeah, that's right. They stormed the field. I think this is the first time in 13 tries that a Kansas football program had won, not against a certain opponent or a certain conference, but just one in general. And so I, I think that it was their new coach's first game. They were excited to finally get a W after, I don't know, again, the words COVID-19 meant nothing to us the last time we heard Kansas won a football game. Um, so <laughs> We didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and so anyway, Kansas was exuberant and uh, stormed the field in what was one of the most sad displays of football fandom I'd ever seen. <laughs> I found myself happy for them. Did you? And that's saying only, something. Only because I know it's like they won this game, they stormed the field, and it may, it literally might be another two years before they win another football game. <laughs> that's right. Good for you, you little scamps. <laughs> yeah, like a, I want to tussle Kansas's hair like a little orphan child. Like, good for you. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the Jayhawks were awful thrilled, and this is, it's the small things in life that you have to, uh, right. to enjoy. And Kansas That's is certainly the small thing. Hey, it, I mean, at least they won, and, uh, you know, they've got that on Vanderbilt. <laughs> it's true. That is true. They'll have to face uh, number 22 Coastal Carolina next week, however. So. On the road. Not great. Not I bet when they scheduled that game against Coastal Carolina, they didn't expect them to be in the top 25. <laughs> no, I'm sure that they didn't. But uh, that's where we sit. Okay, Colin, let's uh, let's do something upbeat. Uh, we got some good news, bad news. We're going to have the Kirk Farmer's Hair Play of the Game Award again this season and then follow that up, of course, with the TJ Moe Douche of the Week. Uh, who have you got for uh, Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game? Player of the Game. Well, I mean, I tell you what, there's one player who exemplifies everything it is to be Kirk Farmer's hair, and I think it was Tyler Beatty this week. I mean, the flaxen golden locks of Kirk Farmer have never been embodied quite as well as they were this week with Tyler Beatty. Yeah, I think the revised statistics showed that uh, Tyler Beatty went over the 200-yard mark rushing, and that was uh, obviously capped off with that 69-yard run you were hoping would make it all the way into the end zone. (laughs) That's right. Nice. 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 You know, he was, uh, I think he called himself a bell horse, combining bell cow and uh, workhorse. But, uh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he had, what, I think 25 carries. He said afterwards he was damn tired, 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 tired. But yep. he was answering the question of can he do what Roundtree did last year, which was take the bulk of the action. And I think he showed, at least against Central Michigan, he absolutely can. Yeah, I think he had 61 snaps. That's right. And a lot of times he was doing it with no offensive line protection. Yeah, God bless him. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pretty easy, pretty easy answer on that one. Yeah, ask and answer. That's a, that's an easy award to give out this week. So let's uh, move over to TJ Mo Douche of the Week. Douche of the Week. We talked about this a little earlier. I don't think anybody has supplanted this yet. Is that is uh, you had sent this to me earlier in the week? Fred Davis hit and seriously injured a male woman driving 115 miles per hour on July 21st. Dabo Swinney says he's available for Week One against Georgia. <laughs> and so uh, that's uh, that's what you're dealing with at the uh, tippy top of the college football paradigm. It's uh, you, these coaches will overlook just about anything. Anything for a win. No moral compass at all. Hey, I know at least a, at least a couple of male carriers I wish would get hit by this young man. I know but two in particular. I, yeah, but I wouldn't want him to play football after doing it. No, I think somebody should at least sit out for half a, you know, maybe a quarter. 
exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it just goes to show you that Bob Stoops was known for it, overlooking even the most egregious problems. And uh, obviously, Dabo is, uh, is is cut of the same claw. Yeah, no, I don't think if you got a C minus, you got to worry. Dabo will play you if you murder the Pope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sure. Pope had it coming. Yeah. I, I'm happy to give Dabo Sweeney week one douche of the week. Douche of the week. That was easy work. Yeah, not, it's not always that easy, but uh, Dabo made it easy, <laughs> as did Tyler Bates. All right, folks, so this is uh, how we're going to do it with the football season here. Uh, Colin and I are contractually obligated to give you a live show every Monday night. We're going to keep that going at 8 p.m. on the Green Room app, and uh, every other one we're going to drop here in the podcast feed. And the other ones you can find on our Patreon. Go to the Mudsodcast Patreon. It's only $3. We'll get you some interviews and some prep work for the upcoming game against Kentucky for sure. And and then we'll be back in studio following the big Kentucky matchup in Lexington. That's all leading up to our October 2nd tailgate. Mazodcast tailgate, be there or be square. Any other business I'm missing, Colin? Nope, just uh, email us at mazodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, at Mazodcast. And uh, we'll see you on the next show. M-I-Z. I see. I might be. <laughs>